0: Hey, thank you for joining us and welcome to episode number 31 of the Boys of Tech for Monday the 24th of August 2009. I'm Edwin Herman. Brett King, welcome. Howdy. It's nice to have you on the show once again. Uh, It's always a pleasure to be here. I thought I'd kick off the show with the story about the US effectively helping the Chinese get around internet censorship.
1: Indeed. One of the... (laughs) We're using U.S. taxpayers' dollars. That's what I thought was the most interesting part of that story.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering why they're doing this. I mean,
1: I'm wondering why they're doing it too. What's their
0: what's their what's their angle? Yeah. So well, what they're doing is it's a basically a feed over email system where email isn't uh, quite censored in the same way. And so what the system allows them to do is to get around some of the filters on, on the traditional you know web connections by mm-hmm. getting content over email, which is quite smart.
1: It is quite smart. They're being quite tight-lipped, as you'd expect, on the actual mechanics of the systems, but... It does sound quite interesting.
0: I'm Sending it over email. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, actually, I remember when some years ago we there was you could FTP over email. There were some mm. yeah FTP servers that you could email commands to, and they'd send you stuff. And that usually got around uh, either bandwidth caps because email wasn't capped or capped differently, or it also meant that if you had a firewall, that you can still FTP stuff, which is yeah. kind of good. It was rather slow, but it, hey, it worked. <laughs>
1: Indeed, it worked.
0: So I think this is going to be a similar sort of concept. As you as you say, the actual details aren't really are really there. I, I'm uh, there are two things I've got to say really, and one's a question, and that is why, and not 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 to say they shouldn't, but just why. What's their you know what's the driver for this?
1: <laughs> what's their angle?
0: Yeah, exactly. But number two is uh, I'm not so sure that this will. Work in the long term, yeah. I think it, I think they'll get away with it for a while, but I mean, look, it's a cat and mouse game, you know. If you know, yeah. w- once this is known by the Chinese authorities, in fact, I'm sure it is now. Uh, you can bet your bottom dollar they're already working on a on a on a patch for that, or a, you know, on a filter. <clears throat> oh
1: yeah, they're, they're waiting for it to to come out so that they can you know work out what it is within email that they'll need to filter out.
0: So it's a nice, but- interesting use of technology, though.
1: It is an interesting use of technology and like you can see you know, I guess you know sort of the reasons behind it America is all about traditionally about democracy and freedom of speech and freedom of press etc and this is part of their initiative to keep that going in the world
0: but yeah, well, it, it, could it, be, well, it could be Well, it could to do with the fact, like, as you say, that if they can get Chinese citizens to see what people are saying out there openly, you know, in, in a balanced way, you know, different views on things that are often hidden from them by their government, it might help them get an inroad into getting people to realise the, the, you know, the negative side of, of having a filtered internet. And if the people start uprising and, and, you know, complaining in China, then perhaps mm-hmm. that might somewhat force the hand of the government. I don't know, that the, yeah. the Chinese government, that is. So, hmm, maybe well, that's why. I don't know.
1: Maybe that's why, but, uh, you know, over the past week, we've already seen China, you know, backpedal a little bit on their censorship. The, the whole Green Dam software thing, which had freedom advocates up in arms around the world, they've come back on saying, no, 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 we're, we're not demanding that it be on every computer. It is just a, a, a suggestion, an availability. Uh, you can have this on your computer. That's what we're developing. Oh, so it they're not never making it compulsory. Yeah, it was never intended to compulsory, be compulsory. Right. That's what that's what the the government, the the Chinese government, has come back saying after all of this. Who knows whether or not that was originally the case or not? Because it's taken them a long time to come back and say, "Oh, I think." for them to come out and say, we think people have misunderstood <laughs> what we were getting at here.
0: It's really so, hard to know what the truth is, really.
1: It is. It
0: is, indeed. But either, either way, we can say that that's what the US is doing at the moment, so Which is good bizarre, luck to them. <laughs> bizarre, is.
1: So many governments are instituting different censorship regimes for the internet, filters for the internet, and the American government's publicly funded this initiative to allow other people to get... Unfettered internet access.
0: All right, iPhones have been exploding in Europe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they've been exploding all around the world. But, well, um, Yeah. You know, the, the most of the stories have been coming out of Europe, but the the French have finally decided they're going to huh, they're going to investigate this.
0: Yeah, they've had quite a few over there, it's, and we're not just talking about catching fire, which is bad enough. Some of these things are, you know, literally exploding open, and I think one person had a bit of shrapnel in their in their eye from that. Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty
1: serious stuff, but it's not serious enough to have, you know, warranted a complete recall. And we know that companies have done that in the past. If something has been proven to be more than likely to suffer this sort of catastrophic failure, then they've done a recall on them. But Apple has not done that with this one. So perhaps it is just...
0: Well, look, on the face of it, it does seem pretty bad for Apple. And it's like, well, you know, week after week, we're hearing these stories about exploding iPods and batteries and iPods catching fire and whatnot. And you kind of think, well, has Apple got it together? I I don't think so. But on the other hand, when you look at the sheer numbers of you know, of devices out there that Apple make. You know, as they said, we take all consumer product safety allegations seriously, but we don't want to panic anyone unnecessarily. So it, it really does oh, come precisely. down to numbers. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. It does come down to numbers with, with any business. If they've got a device which is possibly faulty they're going to want to confirm before they try and do a recall or anything like that whether or not this is affecting uh, you know a small number that they can cover with just replacements or those sorts of things or whether or not it is a true manufacturing fault or design fault that's going to cause them to have to do uh, you know a proper recall or going to cost them a lot of money and bad pr
0: the only thing left to do now is for the airport security to ban them from airplanes Oh, yes. It wouldn't surprise me, to (laughs) be honest.
1: You wouldn't want that to happen. And so there there are tons of reasons why Apple wouldn't try and cover this up if it is, you know, something actually really badly wrong with their design or the manufacturer of a, a group.
0: Wouldn't cover it up.
1: Yeah, wouldn't cover it up because just think of all those situations. Yes, if it's on a plane. The iPod's on the plane. The iPod goes boom. Something bad happens on the plane. It causes the plane to land. That's even worse PR than a kid's iPhone. You know, getting hot and blowing up in the backyard. Oh, so
0: what you're saying is that it's good for Apple to come out and 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 say, look, yeah, look, we know these things are happening. Yeah. It make make everyone aware so that it's kind of less their fault if someone decides yeah. to one day take it on a plane and and it catches fire there and it's not precisely like, if yeah, they
1: okay. if they know. That they've got a manufacturing fault in a batch of them, and they don't do anything about it, and something you know disastrous like that happens—that's the sort of thing that really will completely damage the reputation and can cost them more money than a recall. So,
0: well, it's, it's hard, in their best it, it, interests
1: to to keep those things in mind, but they do have to weigh them up. They are a business still; they amen. do have to weigh up: is this a manufacturing fault in, in the total batch? Is it some isolated incidents with a couple of? badly installed batteries or whatever they do have to find out properly but on the other side of the argument is the places like what they're doing in France investigating to keep Apple and those manufacturers on their toes to make sure that they are playing by the rules and they are taking safety and such seriously.
0: Well, we can't tell at the moment whether iPods are over... You know, Apple products are overrepresented because, you know, it's actually, it's kind of hard to do, especially when, you know, when a player is so dominant in the market, they're the uh, ones that you're going to hear about exploding. Yeah. So, it, so it could be that they are overrepresented and there is a problem with, with Apple equipment. On the other hand, it could be that it's well within you know, it's no different to anything else, whether it's an iRiver or or a Zoom or or an iPod. Simply yeah. the sheer numbers bring into the news. But you see, yeah. we don't know that because no one's really we don't really have the figures. No. No.
1: We don't have the figures and once the French organization has done their investigation, we will have some some better statistics and better numbers to go on. So An outcome of this will be a much better idea whether or not it is a a fault with an entire set or whether or not it is just some isolated incidents which happen to have been catastrophic enough to make the news.
0: Well, even more reason for me not to replace my iPod that got stolen not long ago.
1: Or at least to wait a little while.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hey, Sony I see have done some radical changes to the PlayStation. They have.
1: They've slashed the price and they have announced that they're producing as most people expected them to do a slim version of the PS3 37% lighter or something like that 30 something percent lighter 30 something percent smaller and 30 something percent more energy efficient
0: yeah it's about a third yeah small, a third smaller third lighter and third less power which is uh, that's, that's great yeah it's good they can do that although I have I must say I've heard mixed reviews about the the new slim one. So, word of caution: read the reviews. Maybe <laughs> not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying you know, just might want to check out those reviews. Brett, you going to replace your your brick with a uh, with a slim version? Possibly, possibly.
1: I'll wait to see it. It does come out with a much larger hard drive, yeah, 120 one, gigs 120, instead yeah. of the, the, the 80 gig, which was the biggest you could get previously. Um So, what have you got?
0: What size hard drive in yours? 80. Oh, you've got the 80, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, but that's, not, that's not a lot more. It's only 50% more.
1: Uh, it's uh,
0: significantly larger.
1: So what that, do they store on several there? more but, downloadable games or da- more downloadable content. Oh, so you
0: can <laughs> store games on there. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, yeah. From the, the PlayStation Network, PlayStation Store, you can buy games. You can buy PS1 games. And with a lot of the PS1 games, you can download it to your PS3 and play it on the PS3 but you can also sync it to your PSP if you happen to have a PSP and then play the PS1 game on your PSP as well.
0: That's kind of nice. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. Hey, so, do for someone who, who doesn't really have a game console and hasn't had a game console for about 6 years now, do you how do you get games? Are they still come on, they come on DVD media, right?
1: Yeah, yeah well, Blu-ray.
0: Well, Blu-ray. Okay, nowadays. Blu-ray. So, you pop them in your PS3 and pop can you them copy them PS3. to the to the hard drive?
1: Uh, no. Game, well certain games will install themselves to the, install segments of themselves to the hard drive, but not especially if the games have um, downloadable content or other, you know, additions like that.
0: So do you need to keep putting in the, the, the media each time you want to play a particular game? Or can it be completely on that hard drive? How does how does that work?
1: If the game has been purchased as the the disc, then you do still need to put the disc in each time you want to play the game. But you can buy games directly over the PlayStation network and have them downloaded directly onto the PS3 in which case the only media for them is the download on the PS3
0: If that was me I would just have the option of putting the the ones from the media onto the hard drive it, it seems a bit silly to have to keep loading media in there every time you want to switch games um, if that's the way you've bought them it just seems about Oh not necessary. really it's not it's not that big a deal <laughs> Well, it's what we said when we got remotes for the TV. It's not that big a deal. You don't need a remote. You just walk up to the thing, flick the channel, and go back to your seat. But <laughs> would yeah. we live without a remote these days? Um,
1: I have on occasion when I've lost the remote. But <laughs> yes, yes, generally not. But yeah, it's, it. I still think it's not that big a deal. Go up, change the media. Because the, the games can be relatively large and... Unless they're starting to put, you know, terabytes worth of hard drive space inside the console, you're, so that you can install and have every single one of your games on it for instant recall, then
0: yeah. Mm. Well, do you have any idea how big are the games that come? You know, for on on Blu-ray for the the PlayStation, uh, they would they know. wouldn't be fifty gigs, would they? They wouldn't no, be a full. No, full. I
1: wouldn't expect them to be fifty gigs. Mm. Um, but
0: they're still sizable that's what you're saying yeah
1: I, I would say they were still sizable in fact some of the media that the games come on is probably still just DVD
0: oh, okay. so Blu-ray reads DVD right? oh yeah the, the, all the player
1: inside the PS3 is, is backwards compatible nice. DVD Blu-ray it is it is very cool
0: Sony have thought about that
1: yeah yeah. and uh, hopefully um, with the, the PS3 Slim uh, they'll start to you know pick up some some more people. But then in the, in the current environment, most all of the game consoles have seen a downturn in sales. So you can't say they're going under or anything like that.
0: But I'm, I'm actually curious to, f- to see what Microsoft's going to do because are they going to have to go Blu-ray? Because yeah. what have they got in the Xbox 360? It's, it's not Blu-ray, it's, is it?
1: No, the Xbox 360 inbuilt is just a standard DVD player.
0: So they're going to have to release something Blu-ray, surely?
1: Uh, I would expect so. They did, <laughs> because Microsoft went the, the HD DVD way, you could purchase a an add-on for your for your Xbox, which was an HD DVD player.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah. HD
1: DVD. So I would assume that um, Xbox 360 will at some point come out with a Blu-ray disc unless they're going to keep it so that, you know, games and things are continuously in in DVD format. If
0: they, they, don't they fit on the disc. Anything.
1: Yeah, as, mm. as, long as, they fit, as long as they fit.
0: Have you seen what Entertainment Weekly magazine is doing now? Is it a new innovative advertising thing?
1: Yes, I have. They've teamed up with some uh, AmeriChip and Pepsi Cola and going to whack in a insert to New York and Los Angeles subscribers' Entertainment Weeklies that has a video player in it. How neat is that?
0: That's really cool. So we're talking about a real little screen, a a TFT LCD screen.
1: Yep, a real two-and-a-half-inch TFT LCD screen.
0: In the magazine, on the page. In the
1: magazine, in a page, in the magazine. And it plays
0: an advertisement.
1: It plays well. It plays. It can store up to I think forty-seven minutes worth of footage, yeah. and it's going to play uh, the new advertisement for for Pepsi, as far as I'm aware, and it will play the upcoming lineup for CBS.
0: That's definitely one way to get your ad noticed. Definitely, with and e- with anything like this that's brand new, you you people are gonna watch and they're not gonna skip past it. They they want, this is a toy, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is, this this is, is a, a brilliant gimmick, gimmick mm. Um, mm. a brilliant showcase to um, um, Americhip's little technology here, their little inbuilt TFT LCD screen with a battery that lasts 60 to 70 minutes. But it's rechargeable and there's a USB, a mini USB socket on the back of it.
0: <laughs> That's so crazy. you can I...
1: plug it in and recharge it. And <laughs> That's watch brilliant. What I want to know is, is the video going to be changeable? Once you have yeah, this device, this, can you plug it in by USB? Can you upload? upload a, yeah, upload another 47 minutes worth of footage of something else after the fact. It's, uh, it's basically
0: a little iPod. And,
1: iPod. and have it, yeah. yeah and it's, it's watch kind of, a yeah. little movie <laughs> on, this little, on this little, it's brilliant. I'd love to get my hands on one. <laughs> but oh, unfortunately, yeah. only the subscribers to Entertainment Weekly in New York and Los Angeles are going to get this in it. So I the guess that counts as out. yeah. Store and all the other subscribers are just going to get regular. Regular version.
0: Oh well, that that definitely counts us out.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant gimmick. It'll be interesting to see whether or not it, you know, others take it up. And
0: I, I wonder how expensive it is to do that. Actually, that would because um, I don't know whether, how viable this thing would be. It's yeah, kind of hard. It's kind of hard it to, to guess. Be cheap. I mean, yeah. it, it would it would certainly come. You know, you get a lot of eyeballs on you know watching this thing, so you could command quite a quite a premium for your for an advertisement showing in that screen. But on mm. the other hand, that device costs quite a bit. So I don't know to you know to put one in every magazine. Not quite sure what that's going to do the price of the magazine. Whether that can be something that you know that would happen as a regular thing. I'm not I'm not too sure. to know.
1: No, no. Well, obviously it, it's quite costly because they. They are doing it only on a limited run. Oh, only they're very York, selective. Los yeah, Angeles subscribers, mm. not the entire country, or <laughs> the the ones which go into the magazine stands. So it is obviously cost prohibitive, but we'll see if it takes off, or whether or not it will be one of those one shot or you know very rare gimmicks for the the advertising companies that can afford it, or the you know, mm. advertisers that can afford it.
0: Well, even if this is a, just a once-off, it's a you know it's a proof of concept and. And hey, you're gonna get a lot of people watching that. That's for sure, no doubt about that. The, some researchers have done some stress tests on some of the clouds, as we as we call them. What what's interesting about this, Brett, is is kind of goes along what we've been saying all along that cloud computing is great, but you know it comes yeah. with a, it comes with a warning.
1: It does come with a warning. It's great in concept, <laughs> but how it's going to be in practice. Yes. And yeah, these tests has Come up with exactly what we've been saying is going to be the downfall of cloud computing around the world mm. is the fact that your the consistency of your service your connection the the, the bandwidth you 've got all of those things are so variable that what 's going to be the consistency of service in a in yeah, in the cloud
0: the response times just drop as load goes up they they simulated two thousand current connections and they just watched and they, they you know scaled up and the, you know you, the three services they tested were Amazon Google and Microsoft and all three of them showed signs of you know really slowing down as the load increased so it's it's one of those things that you know to to make the cloud work really well you need to have that back end grunt there if you if you haven't got that you've you've got nothing mm. so interesting story there i thought because the, those results are. Uh, are something that, you know, businesses would, would probably want to, to see before they jump, you know.
1: Indeed. And the the fact that none of those cloud computing resources, the Microsoft one, the Google one, or the Amazon one, had any of those monitoring tools which businesses would require to make sure that they're, you know, they're getting value from money, they're getting that efficiency and yeah. that stability that they want.
0: It's a bit of a worry, isn't
1: it? <laughs> well, it just shows that there's still a way to go before cloud computing become something which, you know, could really be the guts of computing in the 21st century or 22nd century. Oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> <Next> <laughs> the <decade>. new computing. <laughs>
0: it's funny, now that we're in the 21st century, you can't really... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't really the, say the, the 21st century as yeah. being the
1: future anymore. Because
0: no. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's we're now. Him. yeah. <laughs> we are here. We're in the future. I'm still waiting for my rocket pack.
0: <laughs> yeah, and those flying cars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Vince Cerf, he was just here in New Zealand actually this week He predicts that IP addresses are going to run out by year 2010 mm-hmm. like That's like next year Yeah, yeah. Sometime next year So Sometime at worst, that's a little over a year and a half away A little under yep. a year and a half away actually Yeah, yeah it's, it's- At most So this is, you know, if he's right, this is bit of a you know we need to really get ip6 going
1: we need to get ip6 going we need to get people on board with ip6
0: we need isps to ensure that they are able to deliver ip6 services you know people have to be ready for this yeah apparently there's a bit of an underground market for ip addresses they're they're pretty scarce so you know people are are obtaining them through the non-traditional methods so it's it's definitely time for 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 changing it, or at least move, starting now to to change over to i p six The only thing mm-hmm. I don't like about i p six is that they're so hard to remember
1: they are they're not a nice easy you know ten dot one dot one dot one or <laughs> you know one six four dot one five eight dot three dot four
0: I mean, the Nothing is, nice you, and simple. No, they they default to hex notation. But even if you were to use decimal notation, there's just so many of these things that it's so long that it's kind of hard to remember anyway. So yeah, but it has yep. to be done. Mm-hmm. I think most. I think Windows and Mac OS and Linux they all support IP six, don't they? Just yep. They, straight they, out of the they box. all
1: now support IP six. So, so, so we should so, be good as, uh, as, as long as all the as long as the rest of the infrastructure exactly. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> Without that support,
0: nothing's uh, gonna happen. Falls over, yeah. One strong advantage though of IP six is that IP six is not optional. Yes. It's it's all it, very it, cool It's things. on. Yeah, it's yeah. all it's it's part of it. So that's kinda cool. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Well, this is going to be interesting because we are are getting very, very close. Whether Vinsurf is correct about the year 2011 being the the year, don't know. It's hard to say. But one thing's for sure, we're rapidly running out, so something's going to have to happen. Yeah. Well, those are the stories for this week, Brett. Well, at least the international stories. We've got one New Zealand story to cover after the break. Yeah, it's been a quietish but very interesting week. Oh, very interesting week, yeah. I I just want to get my hands on on that magazine.
1: Yeah, I really <laughs> want to get my hands on one of those. Be- <laughs> I want to know. Well, somebody's going to get their hands on it and there's going to be a, a breakdown of what it's like. Somebody's going to gut the thing. Somebody's going to put up some sort of hack that allows you to put your own stuff on it. So do, do you know are what answer. I would do—a really cool thing. I so
0: want one. Oh yes, yeah, same. <laughs> you know, you know what I would do if I if I was a subscriber and I received one, I would mm. leave it in the shrink wrap, and I would hold on to it for about five or six years, and then I would offer it up on eBay for a nice sum of money.
1: No, yes, indeed.
0: Because I reckon they could fetch quite a lot, and one in a, in in prime condition. Yep. Anyway, let's take a short break. When we come back, the New Zealand stories for this week. Welcome back. New Zealand internet pioneer Nathan Talkington appears to have been elected to the Internet NZ Council in a by-election. Now, we, we actually know... We, we don't know him, but we knew of him, don't we, didn't we? Oh. Nat. Yeah. Remember, we, yes. used to, we used to talk to him on, on Internet Relay Chat, on IRC, way back when we were students. In fact,
1: way back when we were students, indeed.
0: He was, I think, studying. <laughs> he was doing a postgraduate degree, I think, at the same university that we were doing our undergrad. Yep. We used to, yeah, have the odd conversation with him when he'd actually pay attention to his IRC window. Yes, <laughs> it's got a very interesting background. If you, I uh, found a little bio on him so, uh, somewhere. I can't remember where. Oh, actually, it might have been a write-up, and it covered some of what he's done in the meantime. Very interesting person. Think we'll add a lot of value to Internet NZ.
1: I think he'll add an incredible amount of value to Internet NZ because he's got the he's got the philosophy. He's been there from the beginning.
0: Those guys are kind of hard to to come by these days, the ones that have been there for a while and yep. pro- probably uh, written parts of BSD and things like that. Yeah. righty. well, that's really a, that's that's all. That's the only story I had for New Zealand. We haven't we we haven't done a lot this week here down under.
1: We haven't done a lot down under this week.
0: Yes. At least not in the tech space. No. I think we'll wrap up the show. <laughs> what <laughs> do you say? <laughs> I think so, too. (laughs) All right. Good stuff, Brett. Uh, Actually, before we do that, don't forget to check out our website, boysoftech.com. You can leave comments there on our stories if you like. And also, there's a form there you can contact us if you'd like to suggest anything or send us any feedback. Brett, thank you once again for hosting the show with me. It's been great. It's always a pleasure. And we'll see you all again next week for Episode 32. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.
1: See you later.